Oh, I guess here we are. Hare Krishna, welcome to the class. Today is May 1st, May Day, uh, 2022. Time stamp for the class. So today we're beginning with the Bhagavatam um, 1.16.9. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, uh, first canto, chapter 16, text 9. Uh, this is Shonaka speaking. And the topic, of course, is going to be Parikshit. Mandasya manda pragyasya vayo mandayushaschavai nidriya hriyate naktam divachavyartha karma bhi. So it's very similar to the verse in the second canto, but, and also it, the word manda is used one, two, three times. The word manda, uh, mandasya. So of the people who are manda, manda pragyasya, whose understanding of life is manda, uh, and uh, whose mandayusha, their ayur, their duration of life is short and dull. Uh, so for them, their life is nidriya by sleep, priyate taken away, naktam at night. Of course, we have the English word nocturnal, and even the word night from the Sanskrit naktam. So at night, their life is taken away by sleep, which is a good portion of our life, and diva by day, during the day, cha. Vyartha karma be by useless actions. Artha means value, purpose, and something that has no value, no purpose is vyartha or vyartha. Vyartha karma be. So uh, <clears throat> the word manda, which is used three times in this verse, means uh, slow, tardy. Uh, idle, lazy, sluggish, <clears throat> apathetic, indifferent, weak. Great word, huh? Dull. So all of these things are the people of this day. So it's interesting because this is just the very beginning of Kali Yuga, Shonika and Sutta and the sages are speaking. Uh, of course, Parikshit, they're going to tell the whole story of Parikshit. So Parikshit is already lived out his life. So this is just um, a couple of me, two generations after the Pandavas left this world. So uh, Prabhupada translates this verse, lazy human beings with paltry intelligence. And against lazy and paltry is the same Sanskrit word manda in a short duration of life. Uh, so that's manda, lazy, paltry intelligence, short duration. That's all the word manda in the Sanskrit. Pass the night sleeping and the day performing activities that are for naught. So Prabhupada says, the less intelligent do not know the real value of the human form of life. This is a common theme and it's, a, it's an extraordinarily important truth, reality, that we have this 
this valuable, invaluable, this amazing human life in which we can solve all of our problems, get past birth, death, old age, and disease, achieve eternal blissful life with clear knowledge. And instead, what are people doing? Well, you know what they're doing. You know, we're all, we are all on the same planet right now. And so you know the, the absurd ways that people waste their time. Uh, I won't even mention some of the crazy things that people are absorbed in. You see it if you go to a supermarket and those magazines at the checkout counter. So that kind of says it all. So the next verse is um, Sutta responds now. He Sutta Vacha Yada Parikshit. So Shonak is already asked to hear about Parikshi, and then he's just saying, like, we live in this absurd age of Kali. And that was like almost, you know, actually was about 5,000 years ago, so imagine now. So Tataha. So Sutta said, when Yada, when Parikshit lived, dwelled in Kuru Jangala, and that's where we get things were jungle, by the way, in the in the forest of the Kurus or the land of the Kurus. Kaling Pravistam Nija Chakravartite. So Nishamya hearing that Kali had entered. Kaling Pravishtam, that Kali had entered Nija Chakravartite in his own circle of power. So chakra means a circle or a chakra. And uh, Chakravarti, you heard the word well, like Vishnu, uh, Chakravarti, Vishnu Chakravarti. So Chakravarti, chakra means a circle, and it means it's just like. In English, they say the same thing. They say a sphere of influence. That's how we say it uh, in English, a sphere, which is a circle, chakra, a circle of influence or power. So chakravarti, uh, it can also mean, it, it can also mean a uh, chakra can mean a wheel. Like when Krishna hold, held up the chakra, he has his chakra, but when he held up the chariot wheel to attack Bhishma, that was also called a chakra. So anything round like that, a round, a wheel, a disc, that's called a chakra. So vartin can also mean rolling, going around. So one whose chakra, whose power goes all around, is also called a chakra varti. And... Uh, so Chakravarti can mean supreme, holding the highest rank. In other words, you go everywhere. You have authority everywhere. Anyway, so the, that's all Chakravarti. Oh, Chakravarti. So in his own Chakravarti, in other words, in his own circle of influence, in his own, in the perimeter of his own kingdom, hearing that Kali had entered, <clears throat> So he heard this vartam anati priyang tataha. So this varta, this news, varta means like what happened, the happening. This news was, and it's kind of interesting, they said it, they, it's sort of an expression which is very similar to English. Uh, it was not too pleasing. 
I mean, that's exactly what it means. An means not. Ati means too, too much. And priya, pleasing. So just as we would say in English, that's not too pleasing or that's not too great. So they use the same expression in Sanskrit, not too pleasing. Nishamyavartang anati priyang tataha. So then, sharasanang sangyugashondir adade. Adade, he took up. Shara asanam. Shara means an arrow, and sharasana means literally the arrow seat or the place of the arrow, which means the bow. So sharasana can means can mean arrow and bow, or simply the bow. He took up his bow, which is the seat, the place of the arrow. So sharasanam sang yuga shondir. Sang yuga uh, can mean, among other things, a battle. The same root as the word yoga. Yoga means to link. So yuga means can mean a, of course can mean a yuga like kali yuga, but yuga can also mean a pair of things like two things that are linked. So yuga also means a pair, and sang yuga like like a pair coming together can mean a battle. So that's why that word means battle. Shanasanam sang yuga and shondi. Shondi is a very interesting word, in my view. I find this I find this stuff interesting. Shondi uh, means taking delight in something, fond of, devoted to. So uh, Parikshi was a great kshatriya, and he took pleasure in battle, not just to fight for the sake of fighting, but he took pleasure in fighting for justice, fighting for righteousness, to protect innocent people. So he was Sangyuga Shondi. So this person who was uh, Sangyuga Shondi who took pleasure in battle for the right causes, um, he took up his shara asanam, his arrow place or the arrow seat, which is his bow or, or arrows and bow. And uh, he's going to go take care of business because he's heard that Kali has entered his kingdom. The next, uh, Prabhupada translates this. Uh, Sutta Goswami said, Well, Parikshi Maharaj, Maharaj Parikshi was residing in the capital of the Kuru Empire, Kuru Jangala. The symptoms of the age of Kali began to infiltrate within the jurisdiction of a state. When he learned about this, he did not think the matter very palatable. This did, however, give him a chance to fight. He took up his bow and arrows and prepared himself for military activities. So the next verse. Salankritang Shama Turanga Yojitang Ratam Mragendra Dhajam Asrita Purat. So uh, the first two lines up to the last word Purat, which is different, but Asrita means uh, he took shelter of, or it's not really took shelter of. I mean, ashraya can mean shelter, but here it really means something else. It means he was sitting in his chariot. Uh, the word ashrita can mean uh, having recourse to, resorting to as a retreat or asylum, seeking refuge or shelter, depending on, uh, inhabiting, dwelling in, resting on, being anywhere. So. He went to his chariot. He had he um, he you know went and 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 boarded or went on to his chariot. Uh, 
because he was going to fight from his chariot. So, and so that chariot, so all these words in the first two lines, except for Ashritak Purat, actually for the last two words, but all the rest of the words are talking about the chariot, uh, the uh, Ratam. Ratam ends with an M because it's the object of the verb Ashrita. He sat in or he took shelter of or he went to, resorted to. So Ratam, so that Ratam was Su Alangritam, well decorated, well adorned. Su Alangritam, Su means well. So Su Alangritam, that chariot was well adorned. It was Shama Turanga Yojitang. It was uh, tied up to or, or harnessed to uh, black horses. Parikshit had black horses. Shama means dark. Or, and then Turanga. Uh, Turanga literally means going fast. Ga, go, Turang is fast. So the the uh, fast goers are horses. It's a word for horse because they're the fastest land animal. So dark uh, horses, they were harnessed. The cherry was harnessed to dark horses. as well decorated. It had a Mergendra Dwajam, Dwajam, the flag. This chariot had a flag with Mergendra, literally the, the animal lord, which means uh, the lion. Mergendra is the lion, the leader of the animals, or the lion or the lord of the animals. So this chariot had a lion flag. And so Parikshi resorted to this chariot and Purat from the Pura, from the city, near uh, Gataha, the last word in this verse, he went out from the city and Britta, he was surrounded by Rata, chariots, Ashwa, horses, that means cavalry, uh, Dwipa, elephants, actually the, uh, the word Dwipa, not to be confused with the word Dwipa, with the long eye, Dwipa with the long eye means island, like Nava Dwipa nine islands so this is dwipa with a short eye which means twice two times like dwija twice born and pa means drinking so this is a there's a lot of jokes in sanskrit sort of plays on words this is one of them so the twice drinker the twice drinker is the elephant that first drinks the water in its trunk and then puts the water in its mouth so the elephant's called the twice drinker. So Parikshit was surrounded. Another example, a funny example of the use of the word twice is the word dwija, twice born. It's a kamina Brahman, but also this is common in Sanskrit. It can also mean uh, dwija can also mean teeth because they're born twice. You get your first teeth, then you know a child loses the teeth and it grows in again. So teeth are also called dwija. It also, Dwija means bird, because the first the egg comes out of the mother, so that's one birth, and then it, the bird comes out of the egg. So the word Dwija can mean uh, a bird, or a tooth, <laughs> or a Brahma. I mean, it's very clever. There's a lot of, actually, there's a lot of humor in Sanskrit. So, Brito Ratashwa Dvipa Pati Yuktaya. So he was surrounded by. Uh, accompanied by chariots, horses, uh, elephants, pati. Pad means to go. So pati means going also by foot, like pada means foot. So pati is infantry. That's how you say foot soldiers, like we would say in English, foot soldiers, Sanskrit pati. 
from the word for foot. So Prito Ratashva Dipa Pati Yuktaya. So Sainaya with his with his army, which actually Sena means army. So with his army, which was endowed with or which possessed uh chariots, horses, elephants, infantry, etc. So with that army, he was surrounded, or by that army surrounded. Then dig Vijayaya. Dig means direction, like the different directions. And uh, Vijaya is victory. So for victory over the directions, or it's also called, yeah, dig Vijaya. You've heard this. So in that sense, uh, the Pandavas did this, actually. They they went out before the, the Ashwa made a sacrifice. They went out in all directions. So the, and there was, of course, the dig Vijaya Pandit that Lord Chaitanya defeated, who had intellectually defeated everyone in all directions so uh with his army uh he went out near means out gataha he went out for victory over all the directions so that's his first so lankritam shama turanga yojitam ratam ragendra dvajalasita purat brito ratashwa dipapati yuktaya sasenaya dig vijayaya nirgata so it's a nice verse. So the next verse is uh, just talking about the uh, <clears throat> places he conquered. Badrashwam ketumalam cha bharatam chotaram kurum kim purusha dini varshani vijitya jagrahe So the verb here is. Um, there's two verbs actually. The dependent clause, if you know grammar, is vijitya. So conquering, and then the list of the places he conquered, conquering Badrashwa. Interesting, it's the name of these are all regions in the greater Bharatvarsha. And Badrashwa literally means like handsome horse or a good horse or a place that has good horses. Badra means good, and Ashwa is uh, horse. I don't know if it's known to modern scholars exactly where this place is in terms of modern geography. Uh, let's see. So it's a country line east of Ilabrata, wherever that is. So um, he conquered, it, it's always not always possible to know exactly where these places were. Sometimes we know, like Hastinapur, Dwarka, or Vrindavan or Mathura, those places are still known. Other places, there's some debate about exactly where they were. So here's a list of places he went to. So Badrasham Ketumalam, which literally means kind of like a, uh, I mean, the names are interesting. These places had interesting names. Mala, of course, means like a garland or necklace. Ketu means a, uh, it can be a, a lamp, a light. It can mean a banner. So sort of like a garland of lights or, or banners. So these are interesting places. The other one is good horses. So Badrasham Ketu Malancha Bharatam. Of course, the main area in which the Mahabharata takes place in northern India, Bharatam Chotaran Kurun. 
and the Uttara Kurus, the northern Kurus. If you know the geography at all, obviously, uh, well, Delhi was Indraprastha, but then about, I don't know, maybe 80 miles north east of Delhi is a city called Meerut. And near Meerut in India is uh, Hastinapur, near the Gan where the Ganges flows. And so it, that's really north India. So if you go, and, and if you know the Himalayan mountains as the Himalayan mountains, if you go from the west to the east, the mountains go to the south. They go down to the south uh, so that, um, yeah, the Himalayan mountains, they sort of go diagonally from the northwest to the southeast. And so, therefore, by the time you get to central India, uh, and if you go then a little bit east over to Hastinapur, uh, you're not that far from the mountains, actually. And so, <clears throat> from, from Hastinapur, if you go up into the mountains, then you get the Uttara Kurus, the northern Kurus, and they're considered to be kind of, it's funny, like mountain people have always been seen actually around the world at many times and places as uh, sort of a little mysterious, you know, because they live up in the mountains. And up in the mountains, you don't have cities, you don't have normal towns and villages, you don't have agriculture. So people that live in the mountains are always a little different than often perceived as strange. I mean, even in America, like you have these survivalists that live up in the mountains, you know, they're not like normal a lot of the time. I mean, some people have a lot of money, they may just build a place up in the mountains because they want to get away. But then it's people that are, you know, make their money elsewhere and just, um, you know, take vacation or get away there. But people that actually live in the mountains, like that's their primary residence and uh, it, it's a different life. You know, you don't have normal roads, you don't have normal commerce, you don't have agriculture up in the mountains, you don't have like, you know, theaters and all that stuff. So people that live up there, they're kind of, they're seen as different and sort of sometimes even a little weird or mysterious. And interestingly, the Northern Kurus were kind of seen that way. They were considered to have sort of like these mystic powers or, um, you know, they're, they're, it's just a different place. There's also in India, if you go in the mountains, there's a lot of yogis and they have mystic powers. So you put all this together and you get the Uttara Kurus, you get the Northern Kurus who are mentioned. You don't really, we don't deal with them that much in the Bhagavatam Mahabharata, but they're mentioned, the northern Kurus. So he also conquered the northern Kurus, the Kim, Purus, Adini, Barsani, the Varshas, or sort of the continents or the land masses, uh, headed by or uh, Kim Purusha. So the word Kim Purusha or Kinnara is very funny because Kim means what? It's Spanish K or Portuguese K or Italian K, I think. So, um, Kim, what? So, Kim, or just means a question. So, Kim, and Purusha, in this case, means like a human being. Uh, can mean different things. Purusha. So, Kim Purusha is like, is that a human? So, it's sort of funny. And Nara also means a human being. So Kin Naras, like, is that, a, is that a Nara? Is that a human? Because there are people who are sort of human, but they're sort of weird or they're different. 
or they have certain powers. And so they're sort of marginally human. So they have this, again, this funny name in Sanskrit, Kim Purusha. It's like, is that a human? That's their name. So the, is that a humans? So Kim and Adini, etc. So he visited all these different places, Kim Purusha, Adini, Varshani. Oops, sorry. Turn the uh, volume down on my phone. Uh, Vijitya, so conquering all these places. That's the dependent clause, like in English. Conquering all these places, Jagrahe, he took Balin, tribute. So conquering all these places, he took tribute. And that's the simple grammar of this sentence. Bali can mean tribute. It's, it's the common word when, when a subordinate gives tribute to a more powerful ruler. That's Bali. So, uh, well, we've done a few verses. I think you're getting your money's worth here. So uh, maybe um, next Sunday, hopefully the planet will still be here and we will all be here and then we'll read more verses on next Sunday, which will be the 8th, May 8th. And then this, in the second Sunday from today, of course, it's Lord Nardasinga's appearance day. And we're having a big festival here in Southern California to which you are all invited. And uh, also my 50th sannyasa anniversary, which I guess when I think about that, um, first thing that comes to mind is, as they say, time flies when you're having fun, right? So, um, Let's see if there are any questions today. Let's see. Uh, thank you for your comments. Don't see any question marks yet. I got some roses. Thank you for the roses. Um, oh, there's Radharani from Russia. So, um, ah, Karuna Purna Shakti. Hare Krishna. Let's see, still no questions. Sorry, I'm not mentioning all your names, but I do see you. Krishna Priya, I hope you feel better. She's recuperating. And there, oh, here's a question. I knew Jagat Palana would <laughs> come in there with a question. So, just like Pariksha did, uh, did, we should support and help Ukraine. Yeah, I guess Pariksha uh, supported all the countries in the world. Uh, there are a lot of devotees there, and I, I personally sent a donation there, small donation. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a place, one of the places in the world that has the greatest number of devotees per capita. So it's it's obviously an extraordinary place, and if so many devotees there, and now Krishna somehow has created the situation. So it's uh, yeah, we certainly pray for them and help them any any way we can. So today is the 50th anniversary of BBT. Well, thank you for telling me that. Would you like to share some words or pastimes, please? Well, I guess I will. 
take a minute. Um, in 1974, in 1974, Prabhupada asked me to be the GBC of Latin America, and then I, and then he asked me to be the BBT trustee for Latin America, which is Spanish and Portuguese. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, the, certainly there was a time in my life when that was absolutely the center of my life. Uh, producing books and distributing them, Prabhupada was very pleased. And I guess it still is because I actually just finished yesterday the first volume of the Mahabharata. I'm writing sort of an elaborate introduction, not like the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, most of this book will be the book, not the not the introduction like with the Bhagavad Gita. But, um, but it is, I think, a very important introduction that explains a lot about a lot of things related to the Mahabharata, things that most devotees are not aware of. In terms of from the scholarly point of view, like how old is the text and what do we know about the text and um, where's the archaeology to confirm the statements in the Mahabharata and it goes through all kinds of things. So I finished that yesterday and a few devotees are kindly uh, going to look over it. And so hopefully within a couple months, we will publish the first volume of, I call it Great Bharata. Great, of course, is a literal translation of Maha. And so great Bharata. And um, so that's, I guess I still am involved in book work, which pleased Prabhupada very much. So um, Lester Wilson, do modern day soldiers achieve the heavenly planets upon dying on the battlefield? That's a very good question. And I think you have to die in a, a dharma yuddha, you know, a, a battle that's actually really for dharma, defending innocent people, fighting for justice and so on. I don't think uh, people who are demonic or just fighting for greed or power, like we see nowadays, I don't think that gets you to heaven. Did the activities of Krishna take place in a different dimension or actually on this planet uh on this planet of course this planet and everywhere in this world uh is multi-dimensional because for one thing krishna is everywhere in the universe and so everywhere in the universe there's obviously a higher spiritual dimension because krishna is there and because krishna is there i mean think about this krishna is everywhere and everything is in krishna Therefore, ultimately, everything is everywhere, which is one of the secrets of how the ancient mystic yoga functioned. So, it's 50 years, so nice comment. So, um, let's see. Oh. Some interesting comments. Leela Karab. Uh, given how the age of Kali has spread beyond words <clears throat> these days, what to speak of future? How can one decipher what is Maya or not? Well, read Prabhupada's books. And how can one guard against Maya's test by taking shelter of Krishna? <clears throat> Krishna consciousness is actually very simple. It's infinitely deep and profound, but it's very simple. Uh, to know what is Maya, you have to have uh, some spiritual common sense, actually, which is not always so common as they say. 
and to guard against Maya's test, uh, there's only one way to escape Maya, and that's to take shelter of Krishna. There's no other way. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Daivi hiesha gunamayi mamamaya dhudatyaya. So this illusory energy of mine, Maya, is very hard to overcome. And that's verse 714, by the way. Krishna says, uh, this Maya of mine uh, is hard to overcome. It is composed of the modes, gunamayi. It's very hard to cross over, literally. Those who surrender to me alone. In other words, uh, if I chant Hare Krishna, but I also have lots of other things I do and other things I take shelter of and so on. If Krishna says, those who surrender to me alone, they cross over this Maya. So uh, surrender to Krishna. I've never come across any other way to overcome Maya. So thank you all very much. Uh, and uh, hope we'll do this again. Not exactly the same verses, but have another class next Sunday. Thank you very much. Hope you're all well. Hare Krishna.